Good morning. Was it a harvest worth celebrating this year? That's the question for Agricultural Chaplain Alan Robson this week as the annual Harvest Festival service is held. That's called Christian hope. You always celebrate. You always have to celebrate. No matter what the challenges are, you've always got to believe that there is a purpose and a plan. And later we return to the farmers in North Yorkshire hit by flooding during harvest itself. Well, the environment agency has been, but uh, maybe helpful isn't a word you would use. The, the, the... <laughs> been and looked and 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 really nobody's given any concrete advice of saying well you should do this that and the other the week in agriculture this is the farming program with sean dunderdale i thought if it's okay with you we'll mostly avoid brexit this morning if you don't mind uh, yesterday's events in parliament obviously uh, dominating the hourly news all day as we've just heard and the morning papers but we'll uh, take a more considered view of what it all actually means for agriculture or might mean for agriculture on next week's program i'm sure it'll be on the lips of those attending the uh, harvest festival service at lincoln cathedral this afternoon though yes it is harvest festival season schools and churches holding their events uh, last weekend eli cathedral and st Edmundsbury both held their services so at uh, lincoln today and the agricultural chaplain alan robson will be there but first he's here uh, alan you're looking forward to the service yes it's a great opportunity to bring all the people of the county together everybody can come it's not just restricted to farmers and their families or even people who are uh, vaguely associated with farming everybody can come it's a real celebration of what lincolnshire has produced over many centuries but uh, particularly over the last year and uh, so there'll be the usual display um, and um, the bishop of lincoln will be preaching this year and i think probably he'll link it with although i shouldn't predict what the bishop's going to come out with but i think that link between environment and farming and food and how communities work and how difficult it is across the planet at the minute uh, to sustain food systems so it's a celebration of all the abundance and possibility of creation that god has given us Um, but it's also how can we work together to make that better and sustainable it's it's kind of a networking event as well, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the the industry comes together, if you like, all in one place, which doesn't happen that often because we're so busy. Yeah, it's a sort of like mini Lincolnshire show, but it's uh, celebrating something about spirit and life and God in the midst of it all. And so, um, yeah, it's a great opportunity for people to get together and uh, share their, their joys and their challenges as uh, every year brings. And so... It, but it's great to do it in a sense of fellowship and worship and and we're all different and people come from different backgrounds and some people turn up who come from no faith background and uh, it's an opportunity for people to connect with the wonder of what we have. And uh, so it's about being positive but also being realistic about the challenges ahead. Is it... Is this a harvest worth celebrating at the minute? Is farming wanting to celebrate right now, given that we still have all this uncertainty going on? Yeah, that, that's called Christian hope. You always celebrate. You always have to celebrate. No matter what the challenges are, you've always got to believe that there is a purpose and a plan and, and, and there's a way of overcoming the challenges and difficulties. So it's always uh, the right time to celebrate and if we can't do it as a whole community of Lincolnshire when we live in such a productive place uh, then we do have a problem Um, but that people do year on year 
and more and more come along and say, yeah, it's right. How Whatever we believe, to just think and give thanks for what we have in our families and friends, but also in the produce of the land. So, What are farmers saying to you at the moment? What are those uncertainties and how are they feeling? Now, Sean, you know I'm trying to avoid the Brexit I've word. I've got to lead you down this path. Um, but I, I, here we go. I, I think, you know, the... People in the community, people across every industry, no less the farming industry, you know, would just like some sort of settled playing field of where we're heading. Whichever way we head Brexit, no, you know, no deal, deal, um, there's going to be challenges for the food system. And I think farmers are recognising that. You know, how do we trade in this very conflicted world and uh, people will need to eat and people will need to drink but we need to find mechanisms to secure that for the future so farmers are trying to work out how do we you know keep fresh water resource particularly in time of floods when all that fresh water runs into the sea so we've got to find ways in our county to manage our water supply and the I, you know, the Internal Drainage Board and the Environment Agency are all working with farmers to see how we can do that better. But uh, there's a huge amount of investment and work to be done, and I think farmers are talking around all those things of, you know, different cropping for the future. You know, so people are looking at it, um, whichever sector it is. The beef industry is struggling. Uh, pig and pork prices are not where they ought to be. Um, so that there's a systemic change going on, and it's going to be over this next five, ten years uh, that consumers and farmers together will have to think. Indeed, a lot of change is coming our way. Thank you, Alan Robson, Agricultural Chaplain. And that Harvest Festival service at Lincoln Cathedral is this afternoon at three o'clock. I'll hopefully see you there. Someone else who will be there is our agronomist, Sean Sparling. He was also at the LRSN AGM and auction that we discussed on the programme last week. It was a successful night on Monday, wasn't it, Sean? Morning. Yes, good morning, Sean. It really was. Yeah, a very, very successful night, Monday night, the LRSN AGM. And it never ceases to astound me, the generosity of people, whether they be patrons who support LRSN all year or the generosity of people on the night who go to somewhere where there's a raffle, they buy no end of raffle tickets, not really caring what the prize is are but it's just to give money to LRSN and then of course we have the charity auction with some fantastic prizes um, it went on a bit. The 36 auction lots we had to get through. Uh, Mike Perkins did admirably. Lizzie Clough spoke so well about her passion for farming and the Prince's Farm Resilience Programme. We had uh, Claire Saunders from the, the body which oversees that programme, the Prince's Trust itself. And, uh, you know, quite an extraordinary night. A great, great night. Entertaining evening. And we raised over £16,000 on the night through the raffle and the charity auction, which is an extraordinary amount of money. And we'll do so much good to helping farming families and rural families in crisis going forward and that's what we need that's the beauty of the AGM and then of course this afternoon we've got the Lincolnshire County Harvest Festival which again will raise money for several Lincolnshire charities one of which will be the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network so the county charities will really benefit from the generosity of people and you know when you you hear all of the talk about how desperate things are how people haven't got any money how it you know, all of the problems we're having with austerity and everything else, but it doesn't stop people giving 
because they know that at the moment there haves and there are have-nots out there who need our help and our money just as much and if not more than we do sometimes so you know hats off to everybody and long may it continue so this afternoon county harvest festival celebrating the harvest of 2019 and you would be forgiven if you talk to farmers out there if you're non-farming people that it looks unlikely we're going to get a 2020 harvest because there's nothing really in the ground but let's just get things in perspective a little bit here it is still the middle of october a lot of us were planning not to start drilling before cereals i'm talking about obviously before the end of october because of black grass and bydv you have to take the positives out of it the black grass is flushing beautifully out there in all of these stale seed beds so we should get a really good kill with glyphosate before we get the drills out there in the field which as wet as things are could be another 10 to 14 days yet but also from a bydv point of view if we drill this late, we get into November drilling, then it's very unlikely you'll have to even consider putting an insecticide on to control the vectors, the barley yellow dwarf virus vectors, so the grain aphid, rose grain aphid, bird cherry oat aphid, it's unlikely you'll need to put an insecticide on. So every cloud has a silver lining. I am hearing people talking about scrapping winter barley because they think the 5th of November you get to that point, it's way too late to be drilling winter barley. Don't get hung up on calendar dates. It's very important. This is a this is a point you need to understand. If we get a beautifully warm and pleasant November, which we've had many, many times before, we've had wetter Octobers than this in the past. I've had just over 50 millimetres so far this month. I've had 146 mil since the 15th of September. But we've had wetter periods than that. And in those years where we've had wetter periods, we often get a warm, benevolent November, which allows us to get a lot of land work done so don't get hung up on calendar date if it's a warm mild kind november there's no point at all in worrying about drilling winter barley towards the 20th 25th of november as long as it's up and running by christmas it'll be fine so don't let the calendar date worry you. It's the soil conditions, the soil temperatures, and we know that seasons are moving around a little. We know we're getting wet weather at the wrong times of the year, and we know the wettest month is now often the driest month. So we know things are changing. You just have to treat things on their merits and go for it. What I do know is that if you're drilling winter wheat at the moment, your seed rate wants to be somewhere around about 250 seeds per square metre to the end of October. There will be a tendency to put a few more on to account for slugs and for wet conditions conditions and that's fine allow for 10% field losses but you know don't go overboard because you do have still have warm soils you've got 10 11 12 degree soils and that's enough for rapid growth they've got moisture nitrogen will still be mineralized and being released so they've got everything they need to grow and the chances are if you went and put 300 seeds on everyone would grow and you'll end up with too thick a crop remember for winter wheat you only need about 650 ears per square meter at harvest well if you get three tillers on 300 plants you've got 900 we as agronomists can make a thin crop thicker but we cannot make a thick crop thinner and that's worth bearing in mind it still only is the middle of october don't lose sight of that fact and as far as slugs go of course we've now lost deter so we don't have the slug hollowing protection that we used to get from that material on the wheat seed. So if you do need to go for slugs, use bait points and bait traps out there um, and bait them and find out if you have a problem. Don't just treat willy-nilly. But also, if the drains are running and the fields are at capacity, you should not be using metaldehyde. That's how it gets into the water. That's what you want to try and avoid. In those situations, and most drains are running at the moment, you should be using ferrous phosphate. Now, I did hear someone the other day talking about putting propizomide on. For good 
goodness sake, get your head right. You must have trench brain, I think, from all the wet weather. You are absolutely crackers. Way too warm, all the wrong conditions for using propizamide now. And any um, residual materials used in oilseed rape, for example, the metazoclaws and the quinmerics, all of those products, propizamide included, we want to try and steward those to stop them getting into the water. So it's far too wet to think about putting those things on at the moment, particularly propizamide. As far as rape goes, I'm not even going to mention that dreaded little black pest, although there were a lot of dead ones floating about in puddles the other day. But there is a slight increase in the level of light leaf spot, but there's not an awful lot you can do about it. Now, somebody said to me at the LRSN AGM on Monday evening, we're all praying for dry weather and it just keeps on raining. So why don't we all start praying for wet weather? And you know what? Even though I know that all of the weather is governed by El Nino, El Nano, the North Atlantic Drift, the jet stream, the Gulf Stream, solar flares, I know that the weather is completely out of my control, but it still won't let me pray for wet weather just in case it happens, because I'll never forgive myself if it keeps raining, it'll all be my fault. Um, so the weather does look more settled in the forecast for the next week or so. Let's hope they've got it right for once and pray for a better week next week. Let's hope so. We'll see detailed weather soon for now. Thank you, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. We're talking a lot about harvest this week on the programme with Harvest Festival services taking place. And I asked Alan Robson earlier if it was a harvest worth celebrating. Well, it certainly isn't for those hit by the summer floods. We've covered extensively those farmers hit in Wainfleet and Frisney back in June. And of course, in July, farmers in North Yorkshire were also badly affected. Forage Aid has been offering support and the charity's Andrew Ward has returned to the farm of Michael Barker to see how things are now nearly three months on there. It was the 30, was it the 31st of, of July and it, we got about five inches in two and a half hours on the, on the moor. And have you never ever experienced no, never, rain to that level? Never, no. 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 And where we're stood at the minute, we're in this grass field and, and to be honest, listeners here have to uh, really be here to, to actually believe what we're seeing. But the power of the water that washed, washed the stone down the gills and down the valleys and crevices in the hillside was just colossal. And, and you've had people come in here, Michael, to uh, advise you and to say, help you with the clear up. How many tonnes of stone do you anticipate you've got here? Well, I think about 500 tonnes. And how well, long? It's dif- difficult to quantify. Yeah. And they're talking about twenty-five to thirty days continual work with uh, with two machines and, and two dump trailers to move it. And what do you think um, on cost? What is that actually going to cost? Well, somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-five thousand pounds just for the clear of the stone. And but then, then we've got five hundred meters of stone wall down. Yeah. Uh, at, a, at a minimum cost of, of thirty pound uh, a running meter, which is. Yeah, another fifteen, and then and then there's no problem. Is there's no stone walling stone has all been washed away from the from the gaps of wall, and that's the worst thing. That stone's going to have to be brought back to the to the gaps of which we're going to have to sift sift through this stone that's come down the hill and try and sort some walling stone. Because the problem is as well, I, I can see that removing this stone, um, you're going to remo- remove a lot of grassland and soil. That's right. uh, At the same time, yeah. So removing or trying to help one problem is going to leave you with another, another yeah. and and that then you're going to have cost to get rid of the stone and then you're going to have a cost to try and get some grassland back here and and this this permanent pasture here how many years has it been well it, I, I don't think it's ever been ploughed certainly I've, I've found here for 60 years and it hasn't uh, ever been ploughed because it, there'll be it'll be a, there'll be a lot of rock underneath yeah it, it, it'll be, be virtually impossible yeah the, you'll yeah. have very little soil yeah, coverage no, that's right no that, that, and that that's the problem yeah. and and when you start looking at, at help from outside 
Who have you actually had come here to look at this at the minute? Have it, has the EA been helpful or not? Well, the Environment Agency has been, but uh, maybe helpful isn't a word you would use. <laughs> they, they've been and looked, and, and, and really nobody's given any concrete advice of saying, well, you should do this, that and the other. The good thing that is happening is that uh, Mark Owen from Natural England, he's coming on Friday, and he's a practical down-to-earth guy, and he'll have a better understanding of what the problem is and what's to do to rectify it right so um, I'm, I'm 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 hopeful that he's going to do but i'd really like defra or rpa to have come because i know you can't say we're special but we've been hardest hit yeah. of, of any of the 20 odd farms that have been hit uh just because of, of, of the physical layout of the farm uh with these gills all coming down and bringing so much stone and debris down and knocking so much wall down on its way and bringing the debris and depositing in the field. Has DEFRA not been to you? The, no, no. We've been to two DEFRA meetings, uh, which the NFU have, have organised and the, and the Farmers Network, but I would have dearly liked a DEFRA person to have come to just to see, because the photographs are fine, but they don't just illustrate the damage in it to its full yeah and and when you start looking at, at help i know there are various funds at the minute but of course the the, the um the one that defra have launched it's capped isn't it at twenty five thousand? Twenty five thousand. well we've got probably somewhere between i don't know 70 and eighty thousand pounds worth of damage because we're going to have to get specialist uh, contractors to, to move the debris we're going to have to get specialist fencing contractors up on the moor because the terrain is so yeah. difficult uh, we couldn't possibly do it ourselves because it's, it's just beyond us. Uh, and and then there's all this stone walling. Well, again, we're going to need outside uh, help to, to do that because it's a very laborious, skilled job, is stone walling. Not that we couldn't do it, but we've, there's no surplus of labour on farm now to do it. No, no, that's, that's So we're problem. really looking for outside labour for all the three projects that, that's, that's affected us. Um, they're sort of talking of a timescale of having it completed by the uh, by December 2020. Well, the, most of this work we won't be able to do until till next spring stroke mm. summer mm. because of the, of the of the ground conditions and the weather etc. Um, so that's a bit of an issue as well. But I think they are looking sympathetically at that. Uh, on on certain farms that have got a lot of damage, but everything's just up in the air. There's not a clear way forward of of of, of what to do. Mm. But you're looking at the damage here with the cost of it. It's just horrendous, and the damage you can see with the human eye is just colossal. And and the fact is, it's going to ruin years and years of permanent pasture yeah. that's um, just um, been here for generations, um, and actually establishing that after this stone has been removed, because really how else do you do it apart from get an excavator in that then is going to ruin the grass underneath yeah that's right well we're going to scrape the top and we're going to get most of the stone but not all and we're going to lose some topsoil in the in the process and what are you going to do with this stone (laughs) that's a very good question (laughs) and there are some places we could tip it but again because we're in in, uh, uh, the national parks and, and we need natural the natural england man hopefully will have some concrete suggestions as to do what to do with it. Uh, some of the stone that's better quality we'll be able to use for walling. Uh, the other probably wanted crushing, but again, it's where you put it after you've yeah. crushed it. Uh, so it's a, it's a logistical nightmare of, of actually what to do with it. The nightmare continues. Terrible, isn't it? That's uh, Michael Barker in the usually beautiful Yorkshire Dales, chatting there with Andrew Wood. And thank you if you've helped Forage Aid in whatever way in helping those in agriculture when they need it the most.
Right, on to the open field report for this week. Then here's Jerome Field. Good morning, Jerome. Hi, Sean. Wheat markets traded lower at the start of this week. They went down to £3 by Wednesday due to firmer currency and confidence over a Brexit deal. Towards the end of the week, though, the market did pick back up due to weaker currency and increased buying demand from China to finish the week unchanged from Friday to Friday trading with November 19 trading at £137. Looking more closely at the wheat market, it seems to be governed by political events on both sides of the Atlantic with the Brexit saga here and the US-China trade deal. The US values were boosted by a partial trade deal with China, which would seem to be concluded last week. However, it appears there's still major obstacles to overcome. But there is political will to get this resolved, with other issues requiring urgent attention, as particularly for the US. In terms of global trade, Egypt purchased more wheat for November, with Russia supplying most of the volume, but also France and the Ukraine adding their share to it. Interestingly, Black Sea wheat prices appear to be firming all the time. This is due to the reduction in the Kazakh wheat crop and also the poor quality of that crop. This is significant with Kazakhstan being the second largest flour exporter in the world. There's also some concerns on wheat crops in Canada, Australia and Argentina to keep an eye on. Looking now at the physical trade here in the UK, a lot is to do with logistics and the strain coming on under haulage with the aggressive export programme going on until the end of October. Combined with that, a lot of farmers sell forward for November and so there is already a lot on the books for November. So movement is depressing prices on the sh- in the short term, although the further, further forwards are slightly better values. Looking at the barley market, feed barley prices again driven by export demand um, and it's difficult to see a way forward until we know the terms we can trade in post 31st of October. Just a reminder to you, the barley crop according to DEFRA is put at 8.2 million tonnes which is circa 1.7 million tonnes bigger than last year's crop. With this in mind then, it's understandable that the maltsters are standing off from the market with only a few conversations about post-Christmas demand. EU buyers, however, are looking at our market, although with the approaching Brexit deadline and the current pace of exports, it's making it difficult to sell a cargo pre the 31st of October. Now looking at all seed rape, Unfortunately, values have dropped around £15 in the last week on the rate price. This was due to firming currency, but also a weaker motif market for all-seed rape, which dropped €7. The US-China trade deal, again, was supposed to support the market, but it appears that no purchases have happened between the US and China uh, which was thought to be about 50 billions worth on ag products. So nothing has materialised yet. However, the Canadian canola crop is being plagued with harvest issues, so there could be support around the corner 
for Orsid Ray, as long as the strength of the pound doesn't stop that. Looking at your ex-farm values then, the feed wheat price for October is 126 to 127 pounds, um, with no carry to November. The May price is 134 to 136 pounds, and the November 20 price is between 137 pounds and 140 pounds ex-farm, depending on location. The feed barley market is trading spot at 112 to 114 pounds. Um, looking at May values, you're looking at 120 to 123 pounds. November 20 values are circa 115 to 117 pounds X farm. The all-seed rate values for October are trading at 313 to 316 pounds, with May values trading at 320 to 323 pounds X farm, depending on location. Malting premiums are circa £10 above the feed barley value. For any other inquiries or grain marketing advice, please speak to your local Openfield farm business manager. Thank you for the news and prices from uh, Openfield for this week. Jerome Fielder. Thanks, Jerome. Now, if I can uh, quote a tweet by Paul Davey or at bleating underscore lamb to give him his Twitter name. He said on Friday, losing a month to wet weather in the arable calendar is like taking a wheelbarrow of cash into the middle of the yard and setting fire to it. Well, I fear quite a few barrows of cash have been burnt over recent weeks, but what of the coming week? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, it should be a little quieter, more settled, certainly for the first half of this week. How long it'll last, we wait to see. That low pressure still over us just. It's slowly moving out into the North Sea. That could bring a shower, but it should be mostly dry today. Some sunshine indeed. Highs around 10 Celsius and the wind from the north at 15 to 20 miles an hour. Tomorrow, we should see high pressure nudging in. It will be cooler, though, with those winds from the north on both Monday and Tuesday. Dry, at least, which is the good news. Highs, again, around 10, overnight lows of 6 or 7. Wednesday, more of the same, though the wind more from the south, by the looks of things, and low pressure could again be back with us come the end of the week. That will bring uncertainty to the forecast. It might bring cold air from the north, or it might bring milder air from the south. It really depends where the jet stream will end up come Friday. For now, though, that is the forecast. I might see you at the Harvest Festival service later, three o'clock in the cathedral. Don't forget. Oh, and that other time for your diary, put it in the diary now, next Sunday morning at seven when the farming programme returns. Until then, as ever, take care.